Hey everyone, it's Monica Brain here with the rest of the Real Indigenous crew. We've got Angela and Tully, and we we weren't gonna come on this week because we we're all really busy with our projects and things like that. But we just had to because when there's a story that's missing and you want to share it, you just you can't wait, right? And so. This week, Taylor Sheridan gave an interview to The Hollywood Reporter, and he reminded all of us that his movie, Wind River, um, was responsible for the reauthorization of VAWA. And I was, when I read it, there was something that was just like sparked in my soul. And I was like, oh, that's right. I had completely forgotten all about that. And how a movie single-handedly created the special circumstances courts so that in tribal courts, they could take non-Native folks in their own jurisdictions, under their own laws, for a select handful of crimes committed against Native people. And I just, I don't know. I mean, Angela, are you feeling just so grateful to have... Folks like Taylor Sheridan remind us. Um, Listen, I I read that um, interview and immediately went and found Wind River mm. and watched it and reminded myself of how impactful, how raw the storytelling is and how it really takes up the gauntlet of the MMIW crisis and addresses it in such a way that it can affect such change in the world. I mean, there had been nothing, literally nothing about missing and murdered Indigenous women. No news stories, no no um, media coverage, certainly nothing in the entire country of Canada about it. Um, not, you know, not tribunals or anything, nothing. There had been nothing. He, he rose, he rose to the task. Yeah, he he should have gotten an Oscar for that. I can't I mean, believe he's not won any awards. Yeah, and so this, so so he brings this up in this in this article, and I was Angela. I was hoping you would share this. I mean, this amazing quote. Take Sheridan's feelings about the Emmys. Sheridan's never been nominated, and his shows have largely been snubbed. Asked if he cares about winning the respect of his industry peers, Sheridan tells the backstory of his movie Wind River which highlighted a grossly unjust law enforcement loophole. Quote, Wind River actually changed a law where you can now be prosecuted if you're a U.S. citizen for committing rape on an Indian reservation, and there's now a database for missing murdered Indigenous women, he says. So keep your fucking award. Who's going to remember I won an award in 10 years? But that law has a profound impact. All social change begins with the artist. And that's the responsibility you have. I'm just getting chills thinking about, <sighs> you know, especially since you could have where you can now be prosecuted if you're a U.S. citizen for committing rape on an Indian reservation. So before that, you could never be prosecuted, not not federally, not by the tribes, not by the state, not by the state. It was basically 
you know, the Wild West. It was the Wild West and Taylor Sheridan figured that out on his own. So we're talking about Hollywood Reporter, not The Onion. All jokes aside, folks. um, uh, Once again, someone is Columbusing the incredible, incredible work of so many individuals, so many Native folks who for years were working on the VAWA reauthorization and getting the special prosecution courts, the tribal courts. Well, and and host Candace sent us some names of the Native women who testified before Congress to get VAWA passed. And, and maybe some background, the Violence Against Women Act includes a lot of laws about jurisdiction over crimes committed on reservations and against native people and these native women are the ones that testified before congress terry henry lisa bruner natty warbelow diane milanick billy joe rich chara giles and so many others and i also want to point out um deborah parker she had this really incredible early on testimony about it that was personal and she she was pretty instrumental in in this so the reauthorization of the violence against women act obviously native folks are not going to let comments like that go and there's some pretty good um i don't know clapbacks <laughs> responses <laughs> well first of all let's talk about this podcast's favorite episode one of our favorite episodes from rutherford falls adirondack oh, oh so written good. by Jana. And it's just, I mean, talk about pinnacle, the pinnacle of satire about the universe that Taylor Sheridan has built of this pseudo-Western world and how Adirondack really peels back the layers of how he treats that world. And and we've talked about this before, the Western or the, the white savior trope. And I love all the all the Native people that are like, obsessed with Adirondack and watching it that they sort of like build up to that too yes <laughs> In the show. It, and it's true you know like oh yeah we, we watch these things just like every other person but I guess Jana just wrote bitch <laughs> on Twitter Lily Gladstone chimes in VAWA provisions that did this were reinstated in 2013 before Sicario and was one of the platforms Biden campaigned on during both Obama's presidential runs. Biden reinstated them again in 2022 because that's his jam. The NIWRC database was up three years before Wind River was released. Turd. That's the National um, Indigenous Women's Resource Center. <laughs> Speaking of the National Indigenous Resource Center. Uh-huh. At a certain point, Sheridan promised that the royalties from Wind River would be donated because yeah. it, it was made at about the same time that the Harvey Weinstein, the whole Me Too movement. And he was part of this Wind River film. And when it all came out, Sheridan was like, take your name off the film. I want, don't want anything to do with you. And I'm going to donate the royalty money from Wind River to the National Indigenous Women's Resource Center in Montana. 
He made that promise in 2017. Uh, what I've been able to find so far, which was dated, last dated 2019, is they have not seen a penny of any of the royalty money that was promised in 2017. That's because there hasn't been any, they said the profits, and there was no profit on the film. Yeah, and like the complication with like Hollywood movie quote unquote is like, they play with how, what profits they make. So even when they make profits, they use like various ways that they can say they did not make money. And that way they don't pay out like on these different kind of things like this. And you're supposed to ask for like, what's the different gross profits as opposed to the other profits or vice versa. Secret profits. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so it's Double secret the, the prof profits. The actual profits that you see be made and not the profits that they say that they went above the above the line of their their budget so like the story is that a majority of films on paper never see profit because they always have to keep it under that line it's a it's a weird kind of thing and i can't remember exactly how it goes but that's how when people who sue film companies or they sue for like story rights they don't get they rarely ever see that money because in in on paper it says that they never made money and so then, but the problem is that now Taylor Sheridan or whatever his name is, you know, he personally has made profits. Some would say profits off Indians. And so knowing that there's this information that this advocate center has not received any of the funding from that film, you would think you could at least put a percentage of his his own personal profits to to this. And yeah. the articles that I read is they were they're blaming Weinstein, right? Because Weinstein got arrested, the film company itself went away, and it became a complicated mess. And so that's why the, Nas the National Indigenous Women's Resource Center doesn't get the get the money. Is that how you guys read it? I mean, that's how I interpreted it as well. Is you know, but why even make some kind of declaration like that if you knew that that was going to be the the scenario? You know. Yeah, it's partly that. I mean, it's 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 very like, uh, you know, just expressing this thing of how great you are without with the idea. He may have even thought that he was going to get some money was going to go to that. Maybe he may have even thought, you know, he really did make the changes that he states that he made. He may really believe his own bullshit, I guess, is, is what I'm saying. Well, OK, we can give him credit for that. Lots of people believe their own bullshit, but I'm not going to give him credit for VAWA. It's that simple. As around the 2000s, Chris Ayer was working at making a similar movie to this Wind River movie. Mm. So, you know, so he's not like, you know, the first one to ever realize, realize. I mean, maybe he taught non-natives this issue. And maybe there are those who did not know, wouldn't have known if they didn't see Wind River. So you could give them that. But for us, you know, we've been, you know, dealing with this since... Who knows? Since, since forever, since I mean, first Bala was like in the nineties, right? When it first came out, yeah. this, this particular instance was the reauthorization of it, and the the thing that I keep calling the special prosecution is the special tribal criminal jurisdiction program that got pushed into that that second reauthorization or that first reauthorization because we just had a a, a second reauthorization, mm -hmm. and it's essentially giving tribes if they follow extremely stringent extremely stringent regulations can prosecute for a small handful of crimes and so there was a there's a lot 
sort of wrong with what he was saying because he made it seem like you no one ever got prosecuted for rape on the reservation ever and the reality is you could be prosecuted federally because we have the major crimes act and because of what's what's considered who has what jurisdiction on some reservations and then it gets really complicated right you know because we have public law 280 and things like that so it wasn't that it was never happening that it wasn't even allowed it was that the fbi was busy not busy but like just didn't want to (laughs) prosecute couldn't i think they would say they they did not have the capacity to prosecute (laughs) all of those crimes um and i think a lot of folks probably saw that as they didn't want to well and there was a lot of lack of communication between law enforcement agencies in order to be able to track the scope i mean initially i mean the whole series of alaska daily is about the failures of the justice department of the state of alaska in tracking all of these missing and murdered women and at the towards the end of the series there's a graphic that pops up that shows how many women are missing from where and you know it goes from a few little dots to just hundreds across this huge state and it's just it's it's sobering to see it laid out in such plain terms but when you're dealing with the BIA the tribal police the sheriff's department you know whatever township or city or metropolis entity law enforcement entity you know there really wasn't a clearinghouse to keep track of it and a lot of things fell through the crack and a lot of people didn't care a lot of, you know, there's always the victim blaming, you know, they, they were asking for it. They were drunk. Shouldn't have been at that party. They were drunk. They were doing, they were abusing drugs and alcohol, blah, 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 blah. Why didn't, why didn't she leave? You know, all of that stuff that now, as we were learning more about that situation, it's being addressed more fully. Mm-hmm. I just, it's just like his comments just sounded like, like when you're, at the bar drinking and someone is like, you know, I, I fucking hated that job. Let me tell you what I did and that nobody ever recognized me for. Like I was, I was single-handedly responsible for making sure that copier worked. And, you know, like, <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. It just, I just felt gross when I heard it and, and then angry. And I just, and I was like, how how much this dude just doesn't get it like maybe somebody gave you a beaded medallion and you think that you're special now but you don't know anything about us you know nothing because if you knew even like one thing you wouldn't have said that shit and rind river really doesn't break any barriers in storytelling it's told through the eyes of a white guy and a white fbi agent you know, the whole thing opens on them, the whole thing closes on them. And in between, they kill a whole lot of Indians. Mm. That, oh, <clears throat> I haven't seen it. So I remember I didn't care too much for it. I saw it back when it came out. So I don't really remember too much about it. But I do, I did have a problem of, like you said, it was a white savior mentality, the dead female rate Indian woman, you know, which is always a problematic stereotype. Uh, Jason A. Snap 
who wrote a criticism of it said, at least in Hollywood, the Indians die. To this day, the Indians die, not just physically, but culturally. Simpson and Sheridan are invested in making us see how America has screwed Native people, but to the point of rubbing it in our faces. It is so terrible to live in one's own homeland. Maybe hard to get out, but it certainly feels condescending for a non-Native to write as much, was his assessment of the, of the film. So that's kind of basically, I, I felt like it was not a good, genuine movie. And like I said, you know, when Chris Sayre was working on that, on this, uh, on this concept, I thought that that would be the, the, the better one to do. And it was, you know, basically about the same kind of concept, but it was told from an Indian perspective. Of course, that film never got made. And, you know, it, the Savannah Act passed in 2018. So that might be what he's referencing, but even still, that's an act on the work of many, many people who pushed it to get to there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. And it's, I mean, like I said, it's a movie that came out in 2017 does not immediately make a bill pass in 2018, you know? Yeah. It, and that was named just... after Savannah LaFontaine Greywind, who was, who was murdered by her neighbor for her baby. Right. And like, I mean, that whole case had some jurisdictional issues not a lot but like I, I remember they they wouldn't give the baby to the father for a while and held the baby in in custody till they straightened things out I guess I don't know but that's why they passed that law I mean part of the reason why they passed that law is named after her it didn't have anything to do with that movie I tried to help Taylor out <laughs> <laughs> you're tra- you want to give him credit do you like secretly like him or or hoping to work with him or something? Are you a fan of Yellowstone? No, no I, you know, honestly, I've never watched Yellowstone. Um, I thought Hell or High Water was an okay movie. Yeah, and, I saw that. It yeah, was pretty good. Yeah, so, so, yeah, I'm not a, yeah, I'm not, let me try to look his stuff up. I don't even know what movies or TV shows he makes. Oh, he did Tulsa King, right? Tulsa King. Is that good? Eh, if it wasn't Tulsa, I probably wouldn't give a shit about it. So we're yeah, not gonna I, beat him. We're not gonna beat him a medallion then. Well, our chief already did, so I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> Wait, what? What is the, what happened? There, there was a picture going around with our chief. I I don't know how that came about, but he had a picture and thanking Taylor Sheridan for uh, telling our native stories and gifted him a uh, a beaded medallion. And I don't I like I don't know how that came about or what that was about, but there they are having a picture together yep there they that are was, that was this year oh well if you got a beaded medallion that's that's one of the things that i loved in rutherford falls where they made him leave the wasn't it a beaded medallion he had to leave on the table the the guy who was pretending to be native who wasn't oh yeah but what's it say on the the article is there like a quote to say what exactly happened or what the chief said for his commitment to telling Native American, the Native American story in popular television series, Yellowstone. Mm. I better watch it then so I can know what the story is. Native American story. The Native American story. He told me how Native American really helped him when he first got to Hollywood. He was broken and alone and they gave him a place to stay. He said he made a commitment then that he would always tell our story and he has definitely done that. Who are these Native people that took him in? I think Sierra should just like <laughs> she should get on on Twitter and be like Taylor Sheridan. I did that. He, I let him stay on my couch. 
<laughs> motherfucker ate, drank all the milk in my fridge. <laughs> <laughs> There's a story right there. That should be like a short film. Taylor <laughs> Sheridan at the Indian, Indian spot, eating all their food, drinking all their food. <laughs> When Sierra made this amazing film, actually, Tully, you remember this. It was yeah, um, the uh, and it was like the Cocapelli roommate who was who was like anyway, drinking all your milk and staying on your couch. Okay, this is beautiful. Okay, so we have to talk about this meme. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well. We'll put it on our show notes. Did we have show notes? I don't even know. Yeah. So, Angela, do you <laughs> want to meme explain? So someone took one of Representative David's posts about testifying in front of the House of Representatives, crossed out her name, put Rep Sheridan, actual footage of Taylor Sheridan passing VAWA reauthorization. You know Sharice loved it. You know she did. She's got that <laughs> wicked sense of humor. She does. When Trump wouldn't stop with his stupid Pocahontas joke, Oof. she was there was this meme going around of her with her her big guns, you know, like her arms all buffed out, and she's like, "Say Pocahontas again, motherfucker." <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just say that there are there are endless heady native memes about Taylor Sheridan taking oh. credit for VAWA, <laughs> and they are beautiful. <laughs> What else is there to say about this dude? Like, he needs to apologize. Oh, that's not going to happen. I think it's important to recognize the work of all of the people that have been advocating for this and and thank all of the lawmakers who have reauthorized the act, passed Savannah's act, and, you know, be grateful for the steps that we're taking and hopeful that there will be more and i would encourage everyone to advocate for other laws for and advocate for the truth advocate <laughs> hold people's feet to the fire if somebody's We're literally not... <laughs> asking for the bare minimum here which yep. is the truth <laughs> like the facts are the facts on this he did not single-handedly <laughs> Pass the reauthorization of VAWA. Hold his feet to the fire. Okay, this is what Sierra said. Holy shit, is he taking credit for this? It was him and not the tide of Native advocacy. Y'all, I need to ride to urgent care because I just violently rolled my eyes too hard. Fuck this Columbus. Yeah, so I guess the question is, you know, even with VAWA had passed, we still had the, we did actually still have those problems like you guys said, of how the FBI interacted with with our uh, reservations and that there was like this major delay of getting them there to deal with any crime that happens on Indian land. Do we feel it has, how, how do we feel it's gotten better? Do, do we know what the what it looks like or are we still, you know, it's on paper, but it's not in reality what we want it to be? Of course, it's probably not ever going to be what we want it to be, but have you guys heard any statistics of what that's like or how that's been looking? I don't live on Indian land. I don't, well, I live on Indian land, but I don't live on a reservation right now. And I know that like initially there was discussion about like the first, after the first year of the special prosecutions, there was 
of all the prosecutions of non-natives on native land, there was only one who wanted to challenge based on that they felt like their constitutional rights had been violated in a tribal court. Um, And I was expecting that maybe like there would be a Supreme Court challenge to it, that this person couldn't get a fair trial in a tribal court, something like that. So far, we haven't seen that. Mm. In terms of like anecdotally, you know, what I hear from back home is that shit is bad. And I hear stories of people having being violated and having crimes against them and other people witnessing it or even videotaping it and not getting any kind of traction with the feds. And remember, these are just, again, this is a very select amount of crimes you can prosecute for. And murder is not one of them, you know? Did it fix everything? Absolutely not. Did it make sovereignty a little more sovereign for some tribes? I did compile a list of white savior tropes in films that feature Native Americans. I don't know. I could read the film and then somebody jump in with who the white savior is. Or I can read the white savior and you can guess the movie. I'll read the okay. I'll read the movie and then you guess well, the. Oh, you got to turn off your screen because I'm I'm reading your screen. No, no. I think what's better is if you describe this character. You know, like just don't tell us the name. Describe this character in your own words through oh, Angela's Lord. eyes. All right. Okay. So. Ding wait, ding ding ding. ding, ding. This is someone who is a vigilante and has pressed into service a Native American guide who actually does all of the work, but this guy gets all of the credit. He wears a mask. Is it Zorro? (laughs) He has a white hat. (laughs) Zorro. Is it the Pope? (laughs) That's the ultimate white savior. Well, this is true. Hi-ho, Silver! Oh, the Lone Ranger? The Lone Ranger. The Lone Ranger is the white savior. I think he is. What is the definition of white savior real quick so that we can know what we're thinking about? The white savior is an indigenous or underrepresented underrepresented community story with somebody who is white that comes in and fixes all their problems. Yes, but they also learn something magical or mystic from the indigenous people. Yeah, and that's what, uh, what's his name? You just said his name? Lone Ranger did, right? Because he learned to make the silver bullets from Tonto. So the Lone Ranger was originally a, uh, uh, who were the guys that killed the Indians in Texas? The Texas Rangers. The, the, the Mar- yeah, he was a ranger, yeah. <laughs> and I thought the, you meant he was originally a radio way. show. It was, right? It was a show. It yeah. was a radio show originally. Yeah. And he was a ranger. And I can't remember who shot him up, if it was his own people. But Tonto saved him, brought him back to life, gave him all the special drinks, taught him how to shoot, t- taught him how to make silver, because silver is, hits the target more accurately or some shit like that, and gave him the moniker Lone Ranger. So I would give him, yeah, white savior privilege. Oh, well, that sounds like he got saved by the Indian. Yeah, but who gets by, all the credit? Yep. Yeah, because yeah, Tonto's just the his partner. Uh. Tonto's not the equal. 
at the end of the day. He gets all of Tonto's magic. He, he takes everything from Tonto and becomes like Taylor Sheridan, where he's now taking credit, credit for saving the town. In does, reality. He, does he speak? Does he teach Tonto to speak in full sentences? Or uh, I think pidgin is English is Tonto's jam. What does Tonto get out of it? That's a good question. I don't know. That's the that's the problem with white savior, right? What do you get out of it? What does the non non white person get out of it? I mean, Johnny Depp got a really sick hairdo out of it. A bird on his head. Yeah. Johnny Depp, Depp got to, to be Comanche. The... Johnny Depp yeah, became Comanche. That's what he got out of it. <laughs> okay, we'll do another one. We'll do another one. Uh, okay. This this guy is in the uniform services and he has to break into a new world to help them defend their ways and he single-handedly leads them to victory a new world mm-hmm. a whole new world <laughs> oh is it john smith it's actually it could describe three of the films that i'm looking at oh shit <laughs> is it <laughs> Okay. Was John Smith one of them? <laughs> yeah. Any film about Pocahontas. Okay. I would say that it's John Smith Dunbar Sully. Yes. Who's that, Sully? That, it's, it's a new show that I'm creating <laughs> that puts all of them together in one. So and he's all... time traveling. He's blue. He's he... blue. <laughs> oh, Sully he... is from the Avatar. He makes out with his tail. He makes that with, don't touch that. You'll go blind. <laughs> Tatanka. Do we have any examples of white saviors that are women that aren't men? So this one is, she is an artist and it is after the Lakota revolution or revolt. It's after the Lakota revolt. And she Which comes one? in to paint and capture the noble savage and help this chief become or just basically survive being assimilated is it edward curtis's wife i don't know was she yeah. is that who catherine weldon was i don't know i don't know who catherine weldon was <laughs> i'm just coming up with people in history that maybe <laughs> no well, you're thinking because you know edward curtis single-handedly saved the images of all of us this is true no this is woman walks ahead and well that's already incorrect she painted sitting bowl she was married divorced she moved to west out west she found her purpose in advocating for native american rights as a member of the national indian defense association sitting bowl traveled to washington dc for negotiations about fair prices for land in 1888 and weldon began corresponding with him shortly after interesting she went to standing rock to be sitting bull's advocate and translator well my great great grandmother also did that and she was actually lakota oh my gosh are you descendant? she wrote a whole book about it yeah well that's the funny thing about woman walks ahead is that there's not a lot of information about her historically and so yet they wanted to make a movie about her and again, like not about people like your great great grandmother or whatever. 
not about or even just a straightforward story about sitting bull you know <laughs> instead right. they want to and so you fill in the blanks with this with the story we were been approached once about writing that story that script and i don't know if it was a production company who actually did it but from a production company and uh and you get those kind of people who want to tell you like the the white perspective wants you to help them write the white perspective story and not the native perspective so it's it's interesting we should do like you know like let's create a movie about like a native person who goes to live among the white people and you know learn their way oh no wait first of all that's my mom and <laughs> <laughs> there you go it's already written <laughs> i remember i, I went to i just I discovered this place called Whole Foods. So I've been living among them now for about three months. And um, they keep talking about their credit scores. And I don't, I don't <laughs> in these days. And so um, tomorrow I'm going to ask. I'm just going to. And if I'm, if I'm, if I'm offending them, it's, it's just going to have to happen. Because what is the credit score? <laughs> Did you ever see that Saturday Night Live skit with uh, Eddie Murphy? Where oh, he, right. he, he got the white face. Turns white. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, and yes. Gets on the bus and everyone's like, just gives him a free newspaper. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or how about the Dave Chappelle thing of the black guy who is the black racist? Oh, the, the, the KKK yeah. member? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Just wow. I just feel like we can't I don't know if we can do a good job doing the Indian savior story. Well, it is Pocahontas, right? That's the Indian savior story. Yeah, in a way. <laughs> so what's interesting about this next one is it it's kind of, I, it, I, I can't, I put it on this list, but I don't know. We should talk about it. This is someone who's fully assimilated, who has family lore of being native and is recruited by a federal agency to go back to the reservation to help solve a murder. And in doing that, so he reconnects with his ancestors. What movie? Unfrozen Caveman Lawyer. Nope. Come on, Tully. You have to guess some of these. Tully, guess. I'm not remembering the name right now. Uh, and I can't remember the actor's name. Batman. Yes. And the name of the movie is Not Badlands. But they go to the Badlands to escape the bad guys. Graham Greene's in it. Yes. Thunderheart. There you go. So, yeah, that one is problematic because he's an actual, or at least in the movie, he's an actual Indian dude. Yeah. So does but it fall under White Savior or in some different category? I mean, and we've talked about Thunderheart on the show before. And, you know, bottom line is it's actually a really good movie. If it could be better if it had used Graham Greene's character as the central, as the main character, and told the, that story because his character is so interesting. Well, the reason the white savior exists, in my theory, is that majority of people who make movies are not native. And the philosophy of, like, especially movie storytelling is... You had to bring an outsider into the world so that they could learn as, along with the audience. So if you have a native main character, their feeling is that you won't get what's going on. And so 
since the majority of execs and people who run Hollywood are not native, they have to bring you the white man that comes into the Indian world or the mixed race person who's disconnected from their native heritage who has to discover who they are. Because that is a different, um, because that, that is also a trope. The mixed race person, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. Billy Jack is considered, you know, back then they used the, the, the HB word. I don't know if we're supposed to say that word anymore, but they used to say that it always was like a thing that was said, the HB guy. <laughs> oh, we just, we just shorten it to B. Oh, okay. <laughs> really? No yeah. I, did it, you guys ever see Mississippi Burning? Oh, yeah. That's what I love that's a yeah, great movie. I loved that movie. It's based on the Cheney, Schwerner, Goodman lynchings. Yes. And these so you talk about white saviors, right? But this is this is really interesting. The in the civil rights movement, when they had these these white people mostly come down to the South and do voting um and things like that. And this was the summer right or this was right before the summer where all these people were supposed to come and basically like i don't know because the south was was so racist and was so corrupt and you know we were like kind of on the verge of a civil war in terms of the fights between uh, federal and states and so these three young men um mickey schwerner um james cheney i believe and andrew goodman and and they they come down to mississippi and and they were murdered and i was in a class in college and i was actually started learning the real story of this and i was learning it from steve schwerner who was the older brother of mickey schwerner so it was his it was his younger brother that this happened to and so after class i went to him and i said did you see mississippi burning i think they turned your that your brother's story into a movie and he was like yeah they did and I I said I love that movie and he said you know it's a it's a pretty good movie uh except that it's completely untrue and racist and (laughs) I was like what are you talking about and he and he explained it to me and I went home and like I think I went to Blockbuster, drove to another town and went to Blockbuster and rented it and watched it again because I was just, my heart was broken. Like, you know, this is a story of these two FBI agents who come down to find out what happened to these boys who had been missing Mm -hmm. and they break the case and, you know, and they learn about some racism while it happens. And, you know, we learn about these horrible you know, horrible people in the South. So what he said was that within half an hour of those boys going missing, the FBI were notified because they had checkpoints and check-ins every single time um, because so many lynchings and there were so many Black people who were killed and missing for the same, you know, because Mm -hmm. of how lawless it was. And the FBI didn't do anything about it for like a while And the scene that they had in Mississippi burning where um, the police pulled them over, the black kid was in the back seat. And Steve said, there's no way that 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 guy was in the back seat 
because he was the one he was from there and he knew all the back roads and so he yeah. was always doing driving but the director insisted on it being like that because he was racist and yeah and so wow. then I did some research and you know of course I'm just like I just I love this film so much but it's just garbage to what really happened and this is what I kind of think about I I could critically think about those kinds of things like watching things like Thunderheart or Dances with Wolves and stuff like that but when it came to another you know um underrepresented person underrepresented group in a movie nope I was just like oh I love this story <laughs> yeah it's effective storytelling fish out of water justice mm. you know if you if you look at it through more traditional terms of storytelling there's there's the pursuit of justice like the you know the deadly do right and then the fish out of water which is definitely john dunbar <laughs> right well the moral of the story is kids don't watch wind river and think that the director single-handedly passed laws and that's also a very western concept right is that the the it's it's kind of based on frontier right the frontier concept of how this individual strives to do something and they're the ones who made all the changes and they're the ones who discovered the territory or they did this or did that i mean that's the basis of american history right is that this one person did all this stuff but in reality you know it was a a, a mixture of people who who helped make these things change and make these differences and that's you know maybe like I said, I mean, in defense of Taylor Sheridan, he probably did make an awareness for people who did not know about the issue. And I don't know if anyone in Indian Territory did not know. As far as I know, every Indian I knew already knew about this. And I don't think he changed the thought process of lawmakers. And like you said, there were already laws in place that were created long before he came along. And so, so you know, so... We just have to think about those things like, you know, like you said about this, that, you know, the story, it's always about the story, right? You know, whatever that dude's name is, George Washington chopped down a cherry tree and threw it across the Potomac. And for whatever reason, that's a great story. But I don't think it's true, right? You know, <laughs> while curing everybody of their whatever disease they had. <laughs> and planting all the apple trees. And planting all the apple trees, yeah. <laughs> and fell asleep for like 100 years, so... <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, it, it's 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 a mythology. It's all mythology, and people want to mythologize themselves, and that's kind of what Sheridan's doing. Thank you so much for listening to us, um, drag Taylor Sheridan. Remember, don't just keep it real. Keep it real, real indigenous. indigenous. <laughs>